Hello, and welcome to the darkest corner of our souls, Legends of Philadelphia. <laughs> These are your hosts, Spooky Tony Trove and Frightening John yeah. Zito. I'm Brian Bierman. You didn't give me a thing? Okay. You're not spooky. You didn't give me a You're not spooky. Did you paint your nails black? No. Are you wearing makeup right now like us? No. Check out my vamp- my fake vampire teeth. Mine aren't even fake. Mine are real. Oh, those are fake. Oh, those are real. Mm-hmm. Helping out on engineering. You you're, might be wondering... Is it sweater weather already? <laughs> Sweating right now. Well, in addition to being Philadelphia natives, Johnny Trove and Johnny Zito have a little t-shirt business. South Felini. That focuses on... <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. Somebody... <laughs> you forgot. No, 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 no. I, 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 There's a I break in the cue cards. No. There's... No, somebody was. I'm supposed to cat sit, but they just texted me that while I was reading it that I'm not. I'm not cat sitting this. So you're free to cat sit. Oh, I was looking at that. I was looking. Hey, maybe it was a gift. Now everyone knows that you could uh, cat sit. Yeah, that's true. Hit me up. Uh, Lots of times, customers will ask us, "Why doesn't someone make a pumpkin spice cheesesteak?" Oh, I would eat it. They do. I would eat it. I would try it. Or they want to know if it's okay to sprinkle cinnamon sugar on their pork roll. Is that a thing? I want to try that. <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's sugar. It's sweet and sa- it's sweet and salty. It's so it's good. probably good. It's probably good. Yeah, you're, make, you're making some kind of like joke, but then it's like, hmm. yeah. Then but, it's like, but what if we tried it? What if we tried it? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. how tacos. That's how tacos start. That's how ta- that's that's how pineapple pizza. That's snowballed. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Sweet and salty again. So we decided. <laughs> To start this podcast as an easy explainer for new Philadelphians and a refresher for the old heads. The city fascinates and excites us, so we're hoping to share that with you. That was too long. Yeah, I, I don't even know if the theme song is long enough for that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're gonna have to yeah. loop we're gonna, we're it. Gonna loop it. We're gonna have to loop it. We're gonna have to record new beats. I've done. I've had to do this. I appreciate you feigning any kind of uh, enthusiasm for the intro today, Brian. Uh, why, to John? Peel back the curtain a why, little John? bit. Why, John? Why? Why are we? Why does this deja vu? Why does it? Why does this feel like I've already done this? The reason this feels so familiar is that we did this yesterday, but uh, my computer crapped out and uh, uh, didn't, didn't record hit, the, didn't the second half. Nope. The red button. Nope. I got confused. I hit the green button. Uh, you never hit the green button. You're supposed to hit the red button. So we're back here uh, two days in a row. I, I'm glad it happened to you before it happened to me because about a month ago, I thought it, that happened to me and I saved my file. So I can always rub this in your face. And that's like such, it's such an advantage. <laughs> when you have like a business partner and your partner does something like this, it is like, it, it, it's not bad. It's great. <laughs> because now I can do whatever and I can just be like, yeah, Zito, but how about the time you... You screwed up the yeah. Vampirella episode <laughs> of the podcast. Remember we had to talk about Vampirella again? Yeah, yeah sure, I call it an electrical um, fire. But remember that time you... <laughs> <laughs> sure, I haven't shown up to work for the last four months. <laughs> but... But don't forget, that time you screwed up the Vampirella podcast! <laughs> <laughs> I don't tell you what. I'm glad you screwed it up. I'm glad, I'm glad you, you know, failed. You know, I actually have new, of a new, different view of Vampirella, and I'm actually glad to go into this with this new lens, with a new, new, with a new view of Vampirella. Go ahead. So I guess after after yesterday's podcast, after yesterday's practice run, you yeah. uh, you developed a new uh, appreciation or a new opinion. I did a lot on of Vampirella. I did a lot of Vampirella research. Yeah, yeah me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Our> research. 
Uh, and I just have diff- well, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. All right, let's jump right in. Uh, continuing with our long march. Also, real quick, we've also we've this has happened before, and we just didn't say anything. Time <laughs> is happened, a flat circle. This happened. This happened once before. Where when it happened before. If it was me. Like no, I I forget who it was, but it was early on. It might have been me, but uh, it it happened. It definitely it's definitely it happened before. Look, and then it'll happen again. Just, Listen, it's gonna again, happen again. This we benefits have said me because now I can throw that in your face. You shouldn't even remind me, Beerman. Well, I don't know. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think you did it. No, why can't I throw this stuff <laughs> in my face like that? We'll have to go back to the archives. We'll have to go back. Continuing our long march to Oh, wait, Halloween. breaking news. This weekend will be our five-year anniversary on Passionk Avenue. Oh. Uh, Come by. We're going to give away free tasty cakes. What's the five-year when you get married for five, when you're married for five years, what, what do you give somebody? Tasty cakes. Like, tasty uh, cakes. Tasty yeah. cakes, actually. Specifically candy cakes, I think. Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't been married for five years, so. Yeah, I don't. Joanna, if you're Google listening. <laughs> Google it. Text me. Coming up, baby. <laughs> uh, continuing our long march to Halloween, this week we want to talk about Philadelphia's most famous bloodsucker, Vampirella. The heroic heretic started her indie comics career in the East Oak Lane home of publisher James Warren. He made Vampirella queen of the undead thanks to a healthy dose of cheesecake and gore. He was eating cheesecake. Join us now as we search the depths of hell for the North Philly Nosferatu, Vampirella. The North Philly Nosferatu. Is she from the Cheesecake Factory? She's probably visited there. <laughs> I like the idea. I do like the idea of Vampirella being from North Philly, East Oak Lane area, and having a Philadelphia a Philly accent, uh, saying water and, uh, <laughs> and not for nothing. Not for nothing, but I'm going to suck your blood. Not right for nothing. Not for nothing. I'm going to jump on the Metro. <laughs> she would never say that. She would say the, the L or the, the subway. Do you guys have any kind of familiarity with uh, Vampirella? Did you collect Vampirella comics as a kid? Did you hide them under your bed? <laughs> co- co- collect Vampirella. <laughs> I, I, yes, I collect uh, erotica and... Uh, <laughs> I read it for the articles. I read it for the article. The stories were... It's the... The best vampire erotica out there, John. <laughs> of course, no I collect Vampirella. No, it's not. No, it's, no, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah, I know Vampirella. I, I know Vampirella when I was a kid because she was always in like Wizard Magazine, which I feel like you know was almost like, well, like fan, <laughs> fan based, and like people would submit things like their fan art, their fan. Uh, action figures and things like that. And I guess a lot of dudes really like making Vampirella toys. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I also... Yeah, they just kept getting bigger and bigger and more life-size. That's yeah. crazy. And also Vampirella and my last name are very similar. Vampirello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Might be related. Might be related. Mm. You be, yeah, yeah, your family Vampirella, probably came in the same town. Yeah, <laughs> is Vampirella Italian? I guess <laughs> she's got to be. I guess so. Yeah, she's got uh, an Italian flair. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel that. 
sexy yeah, and kind I... of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> she definitely drives a muscle car. I don't know. An old-timey muscle car. I'm sorry, Beerman. Uh, did, did you have a, a Vampirella collection as well? No, I, 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 I didn't know who you were talking about. But then when I looked it up, I was like, oh, I know. I know this. <laughs> Like, I remember this from, like, uh, just, like, comic book stores and, and shit when I was a kid. Because it's like, once you see Vampirella, it's like, you can't you can't unsee Vampirella. The yeah. costume is, the is like, the... Very revealing. Iconic, I guess. It is. In its own way, it is. It's very iconic. It's, uh, it's been... It's, like been it's also been ripped off by other comics around that time. And it isn't... Like it's, it's kind of, like... But all these things are like inspired by, inspired by, inspired by, like Vampirella, Barbarella, Barbaran. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's all, it's all. Bar- Bar- <laughs> no, I mean, like when this version of sci-fi and horror was coming out, they were just like copies of copies of copies of copies. Um, and they're spoofs and then they're real and then they're a real spoof. And it's like, you know, it's her pro- costume the time. is. Her, her costume is definitely a play on the 1950s phantom lady costume, which is a blousier version of that, you know, uh, two pieces of cloth strapped over the boobies. It, you call that a, a blouse? Well, it's blousier. No, no. I mean, it's like flowier. It's flowier. We should, expl- we, we, we should explain it if you didn't. I guess it'll be the picture. <laughs> it's not the first time you said the word blousier today. Blousier. <laughs> <laughs> looser, 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 flowier. Um, I, I worked in a comic shop when I was uh, 13 and uh, I used to stock the shelves and one of the things uh, when the Vampirellas and the Bad Girl comics Bad Girl comics were a, a thing at the time where it was like kind of like that 50s good girl art but it was uh, of anti-heroes leading their own comics so it was like characters like Vampirella and she and Catwoman was even drawn this way at the time would Harley uh, Quinn fall into that too? No, she would now, but back then she was just getting started. She was only on; she was just the cartoon character back then. She wasn't even in comics. Totally, under, so th- totally get this. That. Was, yeah, yeah. This was all like top shelf things. Like I, I had to stock. I had to stand on like yeah. a step ladder to stock those shelves. Like I wasn't allowed to read them. Yeah, to put the li- the lifts in your shoes. There. <laughs> Do they put them up top? Because they're they don't want little kids looking at them. Yeah, and I guess they were also they were they were also rife for theft because uh, little kids weren't allowed to buy them. So if they were down uh, lower yeah, and they could yeah. you know stuff them in their pockets or in their jackets or whatever. Yeah. They're comic books for adults. So I kind of thought of them that way as a <laughs> the for graphic a long time. novels. They're, I don't know if anyone ever said that about Vampirella. <laughs> they're they're in the New York Times. <laughs> But there was a 2002 article, uh, after I was in college, I read a 2002 article in the city paper by Dwayne Swarzynski, and uh, it is about uh, the guy who uh, published Vampirella magazine and how Vampirella got her start in Philly. And it uh, around that same time, I guess uh, he had gotten, uh, or the rights were out there, and so there were some Vampirella reprints. And the stuff from the 60s and the 70s is is much more tongue in cheek and much more like campy horror fun than it is uh, than it is like meant to be taken grim dark serious uh, or anything like that. So uh, you know, I, I definitely developed an appreciation for them later on, but uh, there it definitely just seemed like such cornball stuff when I was a kid. Yeah, I mean, it's like I mean, it's like that horror host. It's like it is like Elvira, although Elvira is very cool. Um, it seems just like a knockoff of that or just the comic book version of it. I don't know. It's if 
I'm sure when it was coming out, it was like the hottest thing. Uh, it was definitely like, but in the nineties, it was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And there was all these imitators in the nineties. She was back yes. in style because there was all these imitators. So she was an imitation of an imitation, like you're saying. And now, you know, some of that magic was lost. But here we are today. Here we are today, digging it up for a Halloween episode of our Philadelphia-themed podcast. Are any, are, are, are any of you going to dress like uh, Vampirella this year, do you think? I'm dressed like Vampirella right now. Right now. <laughs> oh, let me see. Point the camera down. I always wear, I always wear those straps under my, under my T-shirt. Yeah, dude, check out those bangs. Come on. <laughs> I did notice the bangs. And that bat flying around your that bat. I guess she's kind of she's kind of got like a Betty Page kind of vibe, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's that. That's also going on. That's also part of this as well. Vampirella was created by James Warren, a Philadelphia native, born at Mount Sinai Hospital in 1930. He was something of an artist in his days at grammar school, and in high school, he came in second at the Pennsylvania State Scholastic Art Competition. He he attended the University of Pennsylvania School of Architecture and left during his junior year to serve in the Korean War. I think you say like uh, University of Penn's uh, uh, Department of Vampires. Vampirism. <laughs> vampirism. <laughs> Ecto- right. Ectoplasm and, uh, and vampirism. Right. Pro- uh, Professor Van Helsing, uh, the administrator. <laughs> But uh, James was deafened by a 50 caliber heavy machine gun and medically discharged a few months later. He did not return oh, to. Oh God! No, that sounds yeah, awful. Yeah, it definitely sounds awful. It's uh, it, it sounds like it was permanent. Uh, when I looked him up, he never regained his hearing, and uh, they oh, discharged wow. him, huh. and he didn't go back to school. He um, uh, he didn't go back to vampire school at Penn State. You Penn. You Penn, not Penn State. University of Pennsylvania. Come on, Cito. He won a Penn State scholarship. Let's not be ridiculous. Let's not be ridiculous. This is Ivy League. You really do think Penn State has a department of ectoplasm? Come on. Come on. (laughs) Penn State would never let some awful thing like that happen under their watch. That that would just not not happen. In the 1950s, inspired by Hugh Hefner's magazine Playboy, Warren launched his own men's magazine titled After Hours. Ooh. <laughs> it, it I think that's such a great name. <laughs> I think that's like that's on par with um what's his name's boat? The guy the guy from the gong show's boat. Um South Philly Bang Bang. I think <laughs> I think South Philly Bang Bang and After Hours, the men's magazine, are some of the best <laughs> name things I've names. ever. Yeah. Go ahead. So After Hours lasted four issues uh, and led to his arrest on charges of obscenity and pornography in Philadelphia. So he just wanted oh, wow. to. He was like, if Hugh Hefner can puddle sm- smut, so can I. Yes, and then he became uh, a target because there was a, an election for DA, uh, for district attorney that year, and the challenger was like, look at all this smut on the newsstands. So the actual DA was like, I can do something about that, and he mm-hmm. arrested you, James Warren and all of these other pornographers. Larry Krasner mm-hmm. wouldn't arrest anybody for me. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. Smut. He wouldn't. No, just, he never interfered with just the porno. Think this happened these days, you know. <laughs> so as James recalled, quote, 
a lot of publishers said, look at all that money that Playboy was making. Let's put out an imitation. And by the time 35 other Playboy imitators had come out, mine was Stag one mag. of them. Stag mags. <laughs> it was called After Hours, and I got my first experience with national magazine distributors and retailers and with large magazine printing plants. It lasted four issues. It was awful. I learned the hard way about Teamsters, truckers, loading docks, slowdowns at the printing plant, and bankers who welch on you. And that that means he was trying to deliver his own magazines. Yeah, he was self-publishing. I mean, he was self uh, yeah. he's saying Teamsters and Loading Docks. That means he probably showed up to the Loading Dock with his stuff, and they were like, you're not a Teamster. You can't unload this truck. And he's like, what do you mean I can't unload this truck? <laughs> I don't know. got all this pornography. <laughs> I got to get my the stuff off the truck. People need their porno. The people need their porno. <laughs> Hello, Larry Krasner. You won't believe it, but they're not letting the porno off the truck. What's that? <laughs> He's on the case like Dick Tracy. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. And we talked about it. We talked about it yesterday too. You know, being in self-publishing, buying all of this stuff. If you don't sell them, you're stuck with them. They, 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 they live in your living room. I know forever. you can't see me right now, but I there are <laughs> boxes of books <laughs> next to me of things that means you know have self-published or published. And uh, um, boy, and do you, boy, do you get stuck with a lot. <laughs> even when even, it sells you have the you always have the yes, overflow yep, even the yep. things that sell well are like yeah but this is the last 300 <laughs> i don't know that's just very real to me to to have someone like that um, yeah i really appreciate the struggle that he went through <laughs> uh to put out his porno magazine he must really had to have loved it yeah that's a, that, uh, listen, if you go to work every day and, and you have fun, then you're not really working. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Is it really, never worked a day in his life, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I like podcasting better than writing <laughs> sci-fi comics. It's so hard to please everybody with sci-fi to... comics. Nobody expects anything from a podcast. <laughs> yeah, but you know how you please every. You know where you can make that pleases everybody is pornography. That's true. That's There's pretty true. much, yeah. I, I while we're we're recording this, I looked it up on eBay. If, if there, there's these copies of After Hours, are 135 bucks. Oh, really? The yeah. After Hours are yeah, expensive. Yeah, number two and number three are out there. Wow, because um, I looked up I looked up Vampirella, and uh, I, I I hope this doesn't come out before the bid ends. But there is a very reasonably priced one on eBay, and I think I might I I'm, think I might try and grab I'm it. I'm bidding it. I'm bidding. No, it. don't I'm do that. It. I shared it with you to show. I knew you were gonna do this. Yo, yo, Let bid one dollar, like uh, bid a dollar. One dollar. Like, he's, right. he's gonna snipe like, Price is right. One dollar. I just keep going, me. baby. Uh, through After Hours, uh, Warren <laughs> met his future collaborator, Hollywood literary agent Forrest J. Ackerman, who submitted the pictorial feature "Girls from Science Fiction Movies," for which he wrote some particularly lurid copy. Oh, re let's read it. Let's hear it. Uh, well, we had we would have to buy the magazines. I could not find. I'll tell you the truth. These these, uh, these after hours on eBay should have some samples, and they are definitely in someone's house in Philadelphia. <laughs> like, like the, these are the unsold copies, right? Yeah, they're like, not uh, off the shelf. Yeah. Like I found this in my grandfather's porno yeah, collection. Like, yeah, exactly. Like there, there's like it's these photo shoots are definitely someone's living room. 
It's um, so funny. The carpet, the wall, the brick, the, the couch. <laughs> is the couch in plastic? Is the couch in plastic? <laughs> the couch and the and the I comics mean, are look, in plastic. Look, you, now I get it. Now I get. Now I understand why grandmoms had the ca- plastic on the couch. It wasn't so. They get, <laughs> it, 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 it was so. Stop! Don't even finish it. We all. You, we no, already. I get it. We already know. You know what I'm saying? Stop. You know what I'm saying? Stop, Fearman. Yeah, but the You're Pope t- ain't gonna want to come over after this. That's <laughs> they're, they're 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 tasteful, but they're you're gonna need a priest when I get done with your couch, Grandma. I mean, it's, it's just like indie everything. You watch something in Hollywood, and you're like, I can get a camera and I can shoot that. Like it's definitely someone did that and and published it. Um, I don't know. If you find yourself on eBay, if these copies are still if these if I didn't end up buying these copies before this episode comes out, um, take a look on eBay. Well, you might get arrested. If I don't buy if them, find, <laughs> if you find if you find out he got arrested, uh, then uh, that's kind of no way. Uh, Krasner's gonna deliver hand deliver him. <laughs> they show up with police escort. <laughs> Nobody gets in the it's way like, of your porno no in way. Philadelphia. The, the porn of the people. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Ackerman, uh, he's a very accomplished fellow. He is credited as being the first person to cosplay. At a science fiction or comic book convention. Who did he dress as? I, I looked up the if this is the photo of him, he's wearing like a bunch of shimmery silver reflective what? stuff. He kind of looks like some tin man no, alien. This? this is uh Forrest J. Ackerman. I, I could he's got like a bow tie looking thing. It's I couldn't tell what character he's supposed to be, but he's the first guy to show up in costume at one of these. The events. concept of of appearing as someone. I mean, yes. I guess even like no Halloween, people were like, you know, you, the idea like you become your favorite thing. Um, it didn't really start like that, you know. Nobody ever dressed up. You're telling me no one ever dressed up like Superman? Not at a comic book convention. For 20-something years? No. not a, There wasn't a comic book convention or, or a sci-fi convection, convention to do that at. And if he came to the first or the second one, he was the only guy who did it. He was the only guy who would have thought to do it. No, wait. Who, who is this person in relation? This isn't the publisher. This is... This is a writer that um, that Warren came to work with. He met him. He was a por- he was a smut peddler. Uh, he made gir- girls from. Oh, science this is the guy who movies. wrote si- that science fiction. Uh, and uh, and and he and um, he and um, Warren hit it off, and they had uh, common sensibilities. They grew up on EC Comics and uh, you know After Dark movies and things like that. Yeah, and pornography. You know, uh, Betty like Page. EC Comics kind of crosses with. I mean, I guess that's what this is, is as well. Yeah, that's where their that's where their inspiration is coming from. And EC Comics, which was producing horror comics, had just gone out of business because of like the Red Scare, and uh, there was a book that came out that was called Seduction of the Innocent. That was like, look at all these look at all these horror comics about murder, and look at Batman and Robin are gay and things like that. And uh, it it definitely uh, killed the comic industry for a minute. And uh, when it came back, it came back as magazines. Like uh, like like as when horror came back, it came back as magazines. So uh, Ackerman invented cosplay and uh, and sci-fi, and he also coined the phrase sci-fi. Uh, he became a science fiction literary agent, and then I guess he just he 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 didn't have the time to say the word science fiction over and over again, so he shortened it to sci-fi, and it caught on. I totally get it. Save seconds every year. Yeah, that's why I started calling Zito Josie. Josie. <laughs> yes. Yep, that's what everybody calls me now. Josie and the Pussycats. That's what no, we say. no, no, we don't say that. We don't. That doesn't like that. Oh, he it. doesn't like that. I don't he mind. He has a he has a cat. I he don't has mind. A pussy cat. Yeah. 
Uh, I think these are wild claims also to be like, I invented cosplay in the term sci-fi. They sound yeah, like crazy old kook it's, things. It's, it's, well, well, that's it's just like, <laughs> it's, it's just like something you can't, it's, you can't confirm that. So it's just like, yeah, I did that. I was the first one to ever do that. <laughs> I, I create, I invented yo cuz I invented this. <laughs> that's almost like why, like I, like we were, who created this character? I even think like there is something like the person who said they created jazz. You know what I mean? There's something like, like a carnival about like this version of comics and like being, yeah, I invented Batman. Yeah, that's me. And then like trying to make a buck off of it as this like claim. Um, I don't know. I don't know. There's something about it. There's something so, I don't know. I bowled the 300 sort of about it. I don't yes. <laughs> some of it is just a boastful claim that the readers, some of your most devoted readers then come to believe. You can't deny it, but you also can't prove it. I don't know. There's something about it. There's just something about it. So Ackerman was obviously really into the scene, and he showed Warren a couple copies of a horror movie-themed issue of uh, a couple issues of a horror-themed magazine called uh, Cinema 57 being published in uh, France. And Warren was inspired to launch his own magazine that would treat monsters as protagonists instead of antagonists. Monster exploitation. Monster exploitation. Uh... Yes, absolutely. <laughs> he he was he 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 saw a, he saw a space in the market to uh, provide this uh, this different point of view from the monster side of things and uh, and 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 he went for it. That was his uh, aim. Like the like Frankenstein, that little girl had it coming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she, she was a communist. That's She's what a communist. we find out. <laughs> it's a good thing he drowned her. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I guess I mean, yeah, he probably it would have been something like that, or or that no, he was I, trying to save her, and yeah, that, uh, and that and that he actually, and then when the villagers come along, it looks like he was drowning her, you know, that kind of. Well, thing. it's probably like like things you're rooting for the vampires or something. You want to see them actually uh, get those teenagers and 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 suck their blood, you know, like it's probably that kind of stuff too. The monsters are sexy, right? They're hot. James Ackerman, by his own, you know, uh, uh, admission, he's a, this nerdy teenager, and so in these stories, it's like the uh, the the jocks and the cheerleaders are getting torn apart by wolfmen, and it's like a, a little bit of uh, 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 yeah. fictional comeuppance, you know. Sure, mm. sure. So, so here's a quote from from James. Uh, quote, I was $9,000 short. I walked into a bank in Philadelphia to plead for a loan. I said, I'm not going to tell you anything about the magazine, but I need this loan. The banker said, for collateral, you'll have to pledge your printing press and all your equipment. Uh, we require collateral for this loan. And I said, my entire equipment list consists of a typewriter, two yellow pads, a drawing board, and me. All I have is a distributor, an idea for a magazine, and I need $9,000 to get it done. <laughs> I told him I was going to leave the bank. I wasn't going to leave the bank without the money. I must have sounded threatening because I did get the loan. End quote. No. <laughs> Let's go to TD Bank and be like, we're. Yeah, I'll threaten them. This will work. I'm not leaving until I get this. We're making something. It may be erotica, but it may not be. <laughs> the monsters may always win. <laughs> the bad guy always wins. The bad guy always wins. Don't ask me any more questions. And that's all you can know. No, give me the money. And they were like, okay. Was it that easy to get a loan back then? <laughs> Apparently. You just threaten people. You just you walk into a bank and threaten the banker. Yeah, this sounds like robbery. It doesn't really Dude. sound like an interview. <laughs> yeah, I'm not leaving until I get $9,000, and I can't tell you what it's for. Maybe it was like the goth in the, in the, at the office, you know, and it's like, <laughs> it's just... 
<laughs> I, just, I love monsters, and I wish someone would come in here. Maybe it's just the right time, you know? Well, right I, I guess he got the money, and he, he was definitely hitting at the right time. I think the thing that he saw that other people didn't see was that people liked, kids liked monster movies for the monsters, not for the, the, the hero human story, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. we want to see monsters. So he was giving them the, the monsters as the hero and having his cake and eating it too kind of thing. And uh, so a few weeks later, a few weeks after he got his loan, uh, the, mon- the famous Monsters of Filmland went on sale with a February 1958 cover date and sold 200,000 copies uh, and sold out. But a bang. But a bang. Bam. Yes. Yes. It's uh, quite an achievement. But he had to uh, wait eight months to print a second issue because uh, the money didn't come in that fast back then. And uh, the printer it still does it. <laughs> it still does it. Mm. Uh, and the printer again wouldn't advance him. So despite the success of selling two hundred thousand co- uh, copies immediately, the printer was not impressed and was like, "Pay me." <laughs> yeah. Uh, after his success, Warren began publishing wildest westerns, spacemen, and the satirical Help magazines. So he just spacemen. So he, I guess, it was easier or. It was not easier, but making other types of magazines was he could do in bet- It probably took eight months to produce that, like the horror one, no matter what. So he, he making these other things at the same time. At the same time makes sense, I guess. Yeah, and then he's like cornering the markets. He's like, oh, I can make money off of these kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else are they into? And then he mm-hmm. just makes his way down the genre list. And I guess you know, western, and- sci-fi, and then Help is a uh, is like a comedy magazine. You said it's like a Mad Magazine type of thing. Yeah, which it's yeah. funny because I definitely think of Mad and or or was it National Lampoon kind of crossing over with these sort of well the the Playboy art uh, comic book artist uh, also draws for them and it also is like with this horror stuff which also is kind of like erotica like it's I don't know I, these, these sort of worlds all kind of cross over. Same, yeah. <laughs> same bunch of people well, at the top, without, I guess, is what really absolutely. coming to. Yeah, I mean, the scene is kind of small without the internet. You have to go. You have to physically go to New York, L.A., Philadelphia, a place with a with a printing press to make books. Right, right. And there's only so many people who do it, and uh, yeah, and they're yeah. making their style of it. Yeah. I mean, I guess it makes sense. The person made after hours is going to go on to make print for <laughs> go on to print Vampirella. It's filling a different... It just Yeah, filling a new niche, or the same niche. Yeah. Scratching those itches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so during the first five years of those publications... Niches. Nit, n- niches. Yeah. Niches. Uh, during the first five years of those publications, his editorial assistants were future feminist icon Gloria Steinem, followed by future Monty Python flying circus cartoonist Terry Gilliam. So like Drove was wow. saying, a lot of crossover in these... Uh, in these, in these and I mean, he's doing all of this out of his his living his room. Living room sure, he's, yeah. You know, he's he's putting these magazines together. They're, he's they're stapling them. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, pretty much close to it. Uh, so he's been having success with horror comics, like we were saying, or horror magazines, like we were saying. It's his top seller. So in the mid nineteen sixties, Warren launched launched the black and white horror comic magazines, Creepy, Eerie, and Vampirella. Uh, these were three separate magazines. Uh, each of these magazines featured their own uh, horror host. Creepy came out first, uh, Eerie followed, and the third one was Vampirella. Vampirella initially appeared in Warren Publishing's black and white horror comics magazine, Vampirella Number 1, September 1969, running for 112 issues <laughs> until March 1983. Like, Damn, yeah. Bring it back. It's, 
Bring it back. I think they, they did. They already did. Yeah, there you go. Play it again. Play it again. So we already played Paradise by the dashboard light. <laughs> like Uncle Creepy and Cousin Eerie, Vampirella hosted horror stories, though unlike other anthology hosts, she would also star in her own stories, which would headline each issue. So they had Uncle Creepy, who was like the Crypt Keeper, and Cousin, mm-hmm. uh, or, or Uncle Creepy and Cousin Kiri, who, Eerie, who were like the Crypt Keeper, who would be like, behold, this this weird tale of delight or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then intro. But they're not, they're not hot, though. We don't want to see them in their It's stories. that same formula, though. Like, that's how you, you, horror hosts. You're either a creep or you're like uh, hot. a hot babe, you know? Uh I don't know. There's, it's pretty. Very few hot dudes simple. in the horror host world. Yeah. What about <laughs> what are you saying? What about Zachary? what are you saying? Doctor Shock. You've never what seen Doctor Shock? Shock? Yeah, well, he, dude, he's ripped. <laughs> Doctor Shock. Uh, well, I think I think they just launched with that same formula because there weren't there wasn't much in the way of storylines for your main character for your horror host previously. And the innovative thing or the novel thing about Vampirella was that she would be the star of her own uh, adventure stories at the top of every issue, uh, which was that was what made her different. Mm-hmm. Um, Warren uh, based yeah, the, the Crypt Keeper's not solving. Adventures, no crimes, and no, but also a very memorable character. Just making puns, <laughs> pondering the most important part of being a horror. Uh, Absolutely yeah, true. Vampirella does it, and she like goes and does whatever she does while while looking looking incredible. She she does everything the crypt keeper does in heels and backwards. <laughs> Warren based the look of Vampirella on his then girlfriend Gloria Reef. Forrest Ackerman wrote the story of her first appearance and added the lighthearted, bad girl personality she's become known for. Her costume and hairstyle were designed by comics artist Trina Robbins, the first female artist to work on Wonder Woman. The character's first story artist was Tom Sutton, that's the guy who drew the interior art, and the artist Frank Frazetta was the first issue cover, he did the first issue cover, which was a substitute for art that had been lost in the mail. So uh, Frank was local and uh, they got him at the last minute. Frank Frazetta. An iconic cover. Frank Frazetta, grooviest Italian-American, maybe of all time. Maybe beats out Frank Zappa. They're up there, though. They're neck and neck. (laughs) Definitely an iconic cover. Um, Well, this is the part I've I've been wanting to talk about. Itching to talk about. Itching to talk about. So without context to everything you just covered, if you look on the internet who created Vampirella, it's not the people we just talked about. And it's right. like, it's all these people we are going to talk about. And, you know, in the context of like, I don't know, in, in, especially in comics, like who created something? And, you know, did Frank Frazetta, who did the cover, make the most iconic version of it? Is he the creator? Uh, is the people who created her personality? Is it the people who create person who created his, her outfit? Um, or is it this person who came up with the name and owned the publishing, owned the rights of the character forever? Um it's almost like he is, these guys are erased from being the owner, creators because they lost the rights to her, and they also maintained the rights to her, Vampirella for so long. You know, um, yeah, 
Yeah, it's like like with Spider-Man. Two guys came up with Spider-Man, but like 15, 20 people worked on that comic book, you know, and like they were part of that first issue that made it super successful. And uh, aren't they uh, equally responsible for its success? You know, mm-hmm. the guy who decided to color them red and blue instead of purple and green sure. you know, or whatever. And like this is like really like always a split in comic industry or there's like a rights or like, someone is right, someone is wrong. I'm not trying to stick up for... Uh, a publisher who's trying to s- steal content from the creators, the true creators. But it's it's definitely a more modern conversation to talk about it uh, in that in that version of the industry. Um, the article that we're referring to is like he went out there and was like, "Yeah, I made this," and yeah. they didn't even like he didn't even mention like Frank Frazetta or whatever, you know, or, or like these other artists or even the the person that he said he's based it off of. He's like, "It's me, baby." There's just like this, <laughs> I'm Vampirella. I'm Vampirella, and he's look like, at my bangs. I don't. There's because it, it comes from this like 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 we're saying like like carnival esque this to it. Like I made this. I created this. Yeah, this boastfulness. Uh, and now there's like this anti that these guys were not the creators of it. Um, and then whose word do you take? You know, uh, I think it's always important to look at the the whole life story. Sometimes when I see people argue like Jack Kirby or Stan Lee, who's the real creator of the Marvel Universe, you have to like look at it as a partnership that yielded really great things, and then uh, you know admit to yourself that they never achieved those same heights without each other before or after. So like. What happened was like a magical moment that be, should be celebrated. But you go do an interview with one of these old men, and they're like, it was me, baby. Now that I think about it, it was all me. See, I, I did I'm going to do that for South Fellini. I know. I was like, I, I should have went solo. I, I should have. <laughs> he was holding me back. He was holding me back. <laughs> I know. If I'm the first one to go, you're going to be like, thank God. Thank, yep. Yep. Now we Dead get, weight. We get some bass no pun solo, intended. We get some bass solos around here. Like, How is it? What South Fellini was always supposed to be a bass store. Bass, bass, rare basses and synthesizers. <laughs> bases loaded. That's bases what it was loaded. To be yeah, Beerman. Oh man. Anyway, back to Vampirella. <laughs> I think that's really insightful. Yeah. We definitely so used I'm, to come up around, against that. But, but right? <laughs> that's how these yeah, guys do. Uh, and we used to come up against that sometimes too when we worked as a pair in comics. Every, uh, people in comics want to be like, well, who types it? And who comes up with all the vowels? And it's like, well, you know, we watched dude. a He-Man documentary and, and like there's, there's two guys that came up with He-Man. There's a guy who came up with the name He-Man and then there's the guy who kind of draws like Frank Rosetta. He draws this like, like, <clears> like <throat> fair, image, yeah. fairy tale imagery that's like, Kind of as we know, as we know, fantasy universe now it kind of based on the way these guys would draw, like Conan. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So that that guy says he drew it. I well, I created the look of He Man. This guy, I created the words He Man. Like you know, it's right. I created this guy saying I created Vampirella. It's like she's gonna look like this. I published it. I came up the name of it. There's all these artists and writers who are like, we came up the look of it. We came up with her personality. Uh, this guy's these people have erased a different set of people who from the internet who they are claiming did not own this or create this. Um, and I plan to do this to Zito someday, just like <laughs> Paul McCartney does it to John Lennon. You know, it's <laughs> I was like, yeah, and, and then he like didn't even record the Vampirella episode the first take. <laughs> I had to tell him what John meant. I had to tell him. He wanted to say chumpy. I was like, no, how about John, man? How about that? How about John? He said it was chumpy and it was going to be 7-Eleven. I was like, wrong. 
<laughs> we got to make that shirt now. You just put it out into the universe. <laughs> oh, well, all right. So, uh, Beerman, you said you wanted to, uh, you were, you were real interested in the origin story of Vampirella. You wanted to read it from the wiki. Yeah, because on the Wikipedia it has her fictional character biography. And I also like that this is on Wikipedia. I like that these words are on Wikipedia. The, what I was going to say about who created it is it's whoever is whoever it says on Wikipedia is the ultimate thing. So it, it, it's like who, whoever changes Wikipedia, that's how we're going to say did it. That's the reality. Yeah, that's reality. Wikipedia dis- determines what's real or not. Mm. Okay, hit it. Vamp- All right, so this is this is Vampirella's whole backstory. Vampirella originally hailed from the planet Draculon, a world where blood flowed like water and where the natives, called the Vampiri, shared traditionally vampiric characteristics. Draculon orbited a binary star which caused continuous droughts throughout the year. Unfortunately for the Vampiri, these droughts have gradually dried up their blood supply, threatening them with extinction. Vampirella's journey begins when an American space shuttle crashes on Draculon. Hoping to save her people, she travels to Earth where she begins hunting dark remnants of her own race. Earth's vampires originate from Dracula, a forgotten member of the Vampiri race who left his homeworld centuries ago only to be corrupted by the demonic entity known as Chaos. (laughs) That is a a lot. What I like about this, and this is like, it reminds me of a kid being a kid of watching sci-fi or being into sci-fi, there always were planets of the, and I mean beyond Planet of the Apes. There's like, oh, that's a, that's a that's a vampire planet, that's a dinosaur planet, that's a monster planet, um, that's a planet of hulks, the Incredible Hulks. You know, like there just used to be kind of like a a world of something, uh, a world of vampires is like, I don't know, just it's kind of come out of style in in sci-fi. I don't really. You don't see much of it except as a throwback. As a throwback, yeah. Uh, it's very it's very from another time. And I just really like that about Vampirella. Yeah, I also think it's cool that all vampires on Earth come from the the one guy, Vlad, who ex- who escaped to Earth from Draculon. I guess that's the that's their twist on vampires. Mm-hmm. So if you come from Drac if you get bit by a vampire from Draculon, you turn into a vampire. If you get bit by a vampire on Earth, it kills you. That's what it, that's what uh, it, that's what it seems like. That's that's what my reading of it is. I, I really first, like vampire rules. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. It's fun to come up with your own versions of them because there's a, there's a, a there's a, a nice little you know there's all these different like things you can take. Is it garlic crucifixes? Like you're gonna do science? You're gonna do magic or whatever? But they they definitely threw the all that stuff in a pot and they came up with uh, all their favorite things. Well, there was pot involved, all right. <laughs> The first few issues of Vampirella are light and comedic in tone. The stories are full of suggestive poses and off-camera violence. But beginning with the uh, with issue eight, the Vampirella stories become more sprawling and operatic, introducing blind vampire hunters, chaotic demon doctors, and star-crossed love interests. Tell me more. This sounds like a great universe. Yeah, they start to get kind of like soap opera-y, like, like Dark Shadows, which I guess was on TV at the time, also about a vampire. 
And uh, it's kind of like, you know, the continuing adventures of uh, Vampirella. So I guess this issue eight, I went and looked it up since we were doing the re-recording. I was like, what's different about issue eight? I looked it up. It like opens up in a snowstorm and she's injured and she finds refuge in this cabin. And it turns out she's one. This blind man is a uh, is a vampire hunter. Any clothes in the snow, though? No, she is not. No. Oh well, well, that was a bad idea. Well, she's on. She's undead. The cold doesn't affect her. She. That's why she can. She can wear that outfit anywhere she wants. It's also funny that's a blind person, so he can't see that she's like a sexed up vampire. Yes, and and (laughs) he seems harmless. (laughs) He seems harmless to her, but then, uh, but then that turns out he's a vampire hunter. He is like the blind samurai. He's the Mm. blind vampire hunter. Um, it was really cool, actually. It was really neat. And it's uh, real melodramatic, and uh, it's, like, satirical. It's, like, taking itself super-duper-duper seriously, but that's kind of the joke. You know, it's taking all of these these crazy I get this ideas joke. very seriously. <laughs> and uh, Bierman and I were talking about this the other day. There's a lot of times where something is, like, written satirically, like an action or science fiction story, and then gets taken seriously by people mostly you know people who grew up on that thing like you watch like a escape from new york or the ninja turtles and take it more seriously than it was intended to they don't get the ninja turtles like me and zito do <laughs> we we get it on a deeper level we appreciate it on a level that most people can't understand what am i horse shit what do you mean i don't understand the ninja turtles why did you just why did you say <laughs> you and zito i know the ninja oh, turtles i know so- yeah, but you're like a rookie Ninja Turtle. Are you? Are you are, I, you're like into the cartoon, and we're like into the indie comics. Dude, I'm in. I, I'm into the. I'm into the the Japanese manga that's out of print, been out of print since the nineties, bro. That's <laughs> when I'm out of Ninja Turtles. Look, I have I have a Raphael in an original packaging right here. I'm gonna open it in oh, front shit. of you. <laughs> no, don't do I'm it. Gonna, don't do it. I'm gonna play with it. I'm gonna take it out you of the packaging. Not. I'm gonna put the. I'm gonna put the size in his belt. People are going to be mad. Don't test me. I like Ninja Turtles a lot, all right? I hate the foot. Yo, your group chat. Yeah, if you guys want to talk about if you guys want to talk about Ninja Turtles in your group chat, add me to it. I have a lot to say, all right? I, I have a lot to say. No, this was in person. Sidebar, this has nothing to do with fucking anything. But while we're talking about Ninja Turtles, in Ninja, I just watched all the Ninja Turtles, and in the first one, the uh, the place where the foot hang out, like the kids hang out, yeah, I would absolutely be hanging out there. They got <laughs> yeah, cigar- it's awesome. There's yeah, cigarettes, awesome. arcade games, soda, it's like skateboard ramps. Yeah, it's like why would I? Of course, I would be hanging out here. It's awesome. It's an easy sell. Yeah. Here, I'm just looking at Vampirella on Google Image and. There's one of Red Sonia, Vampirella, Betty, and Veronica, and they have this like <laughs> they're standing above you. <laughs> like that's uh, a that's that's coming out you. right now. The oh, Archie really? Comics crossover, yeah. yeah, that's coming out right now. I just looked that one up. That one's uh, that one's cute. So I guess Red Sonia is like the Lady Conan, and mm-hmm. uh, and Vampirella uh, they exist in the same world, I guess, and they're caught up in some time travel shenanigans. Mm-hmm. And uh, or, or multiversal shenanigans. You mentioned the character she. I haven't thought about that in so long. That was that. That's definitely like a dirty Fleer card that I remember. <laughs> that boys would right fight right next over. to your white queen. Like yeah, yeah. Like over. when you like I. <laughs> she. That's funny. 
Well, I mean, again, going back to the original Vampirella and how it's satirical in nature, it is a product of the sexual revolution as well. So they're like, comics aren't just for kids. And they're making comics for, I guess, post-pubescent boys or whatever, you know, like 17, mm. 18 year old yeah, kids. Sure. And uh, that's, uh, that's also part of this as well, part of its, part of its attractiveness. And it got big, and uh, like I, we said, it ran for 112 issues, but in the early 1980s, Warren became sick with an undiagnosed immune deficiency, and the energy and passion that kept Warren up late during marathon editing sessions had vanished. Uh, he stayed away from the office, which left his employees confused and rudderless. I guess uh, he, uh, a little bit before this, a couple years before this, he moved the operation to New York, and it sounds like he uh, was burning the candle at both ends because his overhead was higher. And, uh, you know, uh, a, a profitable project in Philadelphia was uh, just keeping its head above water in New York. And uh, he just, uh, he ran himself ragged. And it does, he never was diagnosed, comics so they don't... Comics will kill you. That's the moral of the story. <laughs> it's a, yeah, comics will break your heart, and sometimes they will literal kill you, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, and I mean... You know he's the he's the publisher. He's the guy who's coming in every day and telling people what to work on and what direction the book's going to go in. And and you know, there's only so much they can do without him. And uh, at some point, Warren was forced to declare bankruptcy. Debt collectors picked the offices of Warren Publishing clean, swiping Warren's personal library of magazines along with scores of framed artwork. So like original art, you know, from Frazetta and other big names oh, wow. that they had like purchased over the years to publish. Shortly afterwards, Harris Publications, uh, another you know comic company, uh, acquired the company assets at auction in August 1983 by buying up some of Warren's debt. Uh, he lost everything, all of his magazines, all of his intellectual property. So they got this for like pennies on the dollar. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, essentially. Imagine going to like, a, like a like an auction, and they're like auction off cars, auction off like. All right, next, Vampirella, so, the entire. <laughs> yeah. Uh, intellectual property of Vampirella, fifty dollars, everybody, fifty dollars. Do I see fifty dollars? I'll start at fifty. Yeah, essentially, that's what happened. They, the bank said, you owe us this money for for, and since you can't pay, we have the rights to all your assets, including these IPs. And in exchange to recoup, in in an effort to recoup some of that debt, the bank had a um had a uh, an auction, and this other comic company came in. And bought up everything that was worthwhile. Uh, Uncle Creepy, Cousin Eerie, Vampirella, oh, the title's famous, famous monster magazine. You know, that's uh, that's interesting. That's really yeah, interesting. these these were these were worth something. I mean, this is before the internet uh, had killed print, and so uh, a lot of uh, the value was in the back catalog as well, and being able to reprint all of these old issues. Yeah. So, right. uh, you know. That's crazy because I'm sure the things he had the rights to or that original artwork, I'm sure is worth a ton. He was seems to come oh, from a, yeah. aware of a world where he, of knowing that those things are valuable. It's not like when you hear stories about like an artist and then they just throw it away, you know, like, yeah, this guy definitely was I mean, going to come to go into the first comic conventions. They know what's up, you know. Uh, so meanwhile, Harris Comics began issuing old reissuing old issues of Vampirella picking up with the old numbering, so it ended at 112, and now they start it with 113, publishing uh, the back issues, you know, some of the, some highlighting some of the best stories and uh, moving forward. The publisher licensed the character out for countless team-ups and crossovers across uh, much of the 90s. Uh, Vampirella enjoyed a resurgence amid the bad girl art trend that I mentioned at the, the top of the show. 
which was essentially sexy anti-heroes drawn provocatively, uh, sometimes in a very oil-painted kind of way. Uh, they were uh, originally inspired by Vampirella herself, and now here she was uh, on the shelf surrounded by imitators. Uh, you see a lot of this. It's like Vampirella Catwoman, Vampirella Witchblade, Vampirella Lady Death, Vampirella She, Vampirella Razor. Like the line goes, it just goes on and on and on and on. She she brings it out in them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Trove just mentioned uh, Vampirella meets Betty and Veronica, and, like, Betty and Veronica are older than Vampirella, and now they're finally having their team up. So, like, that's what... These these things are clever and cute and fun, and they're not meant to be taken, like, seriously, like some, some Batman yes, year one Yes, they are. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take this seriously. It's not like Bat... <laughs> year it's one. not like Batman. It's not like Batman. Batman this, is, this is serious. No, I mean, like, a writer, sometimes he's like, I, you got to take this super-duper seriously. This is I, this story yeah. about a man in a bat costume, you got to take it super-duper seriously. I know I'm familiar with uh, how people can be in the comic book world. Yeah, and sometimes it's just fun to see uh, uh, Betty and Veronica kill vampires with Vampirella, you know? Sure, sure. Give the people what they want. Give them what they want. Uh, so uh, in 1996, a Vampirella film adaptation was produced by Concord Pictures, starring uh, Talzia Soto in the role in the title role, uh, and part of as part of Roger Corman presents. Yesterday is when I realized that this was not made by Roger Corman; it's a Roger Corman <laughs> presents. <laughs> presents, yes. And how that is such uh, just. It's comic book in its own because it's like, here's the cover. It looks nothing like the rest of the book. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, it just, it's just a funny old, uh, old timey trickery. And, ha- yes. and Hammer Horror Films was supposed to make one in the 70s, but then they, it fell through and they were supposed to make a Vampirella movie, but it didn't happen. Yeah. And I uh, I looked up more about this Vampirella movie since yesterday because you had mentioned the Hammer movie thing, and I guess the the actress who everybody wanted to play Vampirella is this uh, Talzia Soto's mom, and so they were kind of the, the the director and Roger Corman were kind of saddled with uh, Soto because uh, she was grandfathered into this project. As when the mom got too old to play Vampirella, it was like. <laughs> Determined that her oh, daughter. They should have. They should have went with the sixty-five-year-old woman as vampire. <laughs> awesome. Only if they wanted to be rich. Well, right, and then Roger Daltrey is the the bad vampire in this movie, right? Right. Uh, he is well, Vlad. Well, we who gotta, comes to Earth we and spawns this all of the. I also was yeah. reading about it, and it said that it, was, it said that special effects shots were taken from a different movie that this guy directed. <laughs> Like there's a ship going to Earth, and they—I swear to God—they play it in reverse, so the ship is leaving Earth now. Technically, oh my God! Shot. Shot. There's no, I have never seen a Roger Daltrey movie that I didn't like. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Listomania. Vampirella. Listomania. Yep. Tommy, I guess. Tommy, can you hear me? Yeah, it's great. This was during an era in the mid '90s where Daltrey was doing a lot of made-for-TV sci-fi syndicated show uh, uh, appearances. Was he ever on Sliders? <laughs> I think so. I'm pretty sure he was on Sliders. I'm pretty sure he was on Hercules. Oh, he was like on shows like that. Yeah. And Andromeda Strain, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, 
so if they're American Gladiators, it would be these shoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it was directed by the movie was directed by Jim Wynorski, who said in 2013 it was the one film of his that he regretted making. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he called the film quote a mess, a film I cannot watch. Everything went wrong. Everything end quote. Uh, uh, yeah, so it sounds it sounds like he had trouble with uh, Teamsters locations. They shot in Vegas. Uh, he he couldn't get uh, people to cooperate. This wasn't the actress he wanted. And it doesn't seem like the actress wanted to be doing it either. Uh, there's like several forced scenes where she has to like kiss Roger Daltrey. And, uh, <laughs> Roger, whatever the opposite of Kentry, whatever the opposite of uh, chemistry is, is they got it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, in the end credits of the film, a sequel was promised that would have been titled Dark Avenger of Death. However, the sequel was never produced. Oh, that's one of my favorite things in movies where movies that they promise a sequel and then they bomb. Like Mac and me. <laughs> it's such a bold statement. It's such a bold statement. It's, yeah, it's like, oh, we know you're going to want to see Mac again. So we'll be back, but we'll get your next order ready. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see you tomorrow. Like. Like they're Dunkin' Donuts and they know what you're coming in for every day, you know? <laughs> I don't want this. Uh, around the time uh, uh, of the Vampirella movie, Warren reconnected with Gloria Reef, his uh, girlfriend oh. uh, whom it was based on. She was now the widowed Gold, uh, w- she was now the widowed Gloria Goldberg. Uh, she had gone on to marry someone else but was single at, at, in, by the 90s. Uh, they began dating again and she oh, wow, encouraged... Yeah. You think she could still fit in the Vampirella costume? <laughs> I don't think Vampirella ages, so... Yeah, right. that's true. That's right. Wow, what a great gimmick. Would you yeah. let Vampirella bite you? I know I, I would. Absolutely. Vampirella yeah. doesn't know what Vampirella looks like, because in the mirror... That's true. Nothing. See, nothing. she can't even, like... She doesn't even know how hot she is. She's really committed to fitness. That's why she looks that way. Wow. It's a uh, an all blood diet, you know. There's no <laughs> beef, a lot of protein, no no carbs. Yeah, iron, a lot of iron. Iron, a lot of iron. Uh, so Gloria encouraged James to uh, seek legal counsel. Uh, she thought something was pretty fishy about the way uh, his rights were sold off by the bank. And uh, a 1999 lawsuit resulted in Warren's reacquisition of the rights to Creepy and Eerie and their respective hosts, Uncle Creepy and Cousin Eerie. Nice. Uh, but he, he could not get famous monsters or Vampirella back. And that, uh, so that's the bread and butter. Yeah, uh, whatever the, the formula is that they use to determine it. But um, They're like, Well, these two are worth nothing. <laughs> and here's Vampirella, so... Well, James immediately turned it around, and uh, he sold off the rights to uh, creepy and eerie reprints to DC Comics and Fanagraphics yeah, and places great. like that to to get those books back out there, get them back in print. Wow. And uh, but he did not give out any details from the settlement. I guess uh, he must have signed some kind of NDA because I don't know if he gets any kind of residuals off of Vampirella stuff now or whatever. I'm but, telling you, there's kind of like a lock on the internet of of this others that this guy doesn't exist. Yeah. Like you pulled this article out from the city paper and you're like, oh, I just remember this article. And it's kind of like, I mean, this is a firsthand interview with him uh, telling like a different story that's kind of on the internet. 
you know, I just, I just think it's interesting, you know. Yeah, yeah, it is, and uh, and they continue to post van- make Vampirella to the uh, today at Dynamite Entertainment based in Mount Laurel, New Jersey. So, uh, like a lot of people in Philly, she retired out in like, Jersey. I, 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 <laughs> like the, the muse of the project comes back and and like kind of shakes up the uh, the rights to it. Yeah, like I don't know. That's that. Did, how could you say they aren't the creators or the or the originators of it? You know. I think they have to do it from a legal perspective because it's like uh, you know I, I remember reading about to uh, destroy the destroy workers' rights you know yeah yeah but there's yeah. just something about <laughs> there's just something about the how it looks on the internet and how this guy's how this guy's story kind of works out you know yeah yeah definitely uh, yeah uh, especially with with Gloria Reef kind of coming back around you know. Yeah, so I guess he lost Vampirella the the rights to the comic, but he got the real Vampirella back in his life, and so I, he has a happy ending in that way. <laughs> sure, I'm sure. I'm sure it ended great. We're still going. Yeah, it seems uh, he's still alive. He's still kicking. I I'm pretty sure Gloria's still around too. And uh, yeah, that's the story of Vampirella, the that's North Philly Nosferatu. More Halloween stuff. Uh, we'll be back next week with even more Halloween stuff. More Halloween. And the week stuff. after keep, that. And the week after that. Keep it spooky. And the week after that. We love Halloween. Yeah, keep it spooky. Hey, look, this would this would be a spooky podcast year round if uh, if we if, if maybe people we would, if people would allow it. If people would allow it. Do you guys like this side of us? Do you like our our Halloween spooky side? Should we be spooky our more spooky often? Side. <laughs> oh God. Just turn it all. Do you, uh, you two have any uh, Beerman Trove? Do you guys have anything you want to add? I want to see this Vampirella movie from the nineties. So I, I can't. We, we got to watch it. And I can't wait to get my grubby little fingers on that issue number one. No, dude, don't do it to yes, me. Oh, come on. Yes, I'm not washing my hands. <laughs> turn the page. Yeah, wash your not hands. washing my hands. Turn the page. Oils on my fingers. Uh. Okay, that's pretty much all there is to know about Vampirella. Please check out our website, www.southfellini.com. That's S-O-U-T-H-F-E-L-L-I-N-I.com for cool Philly-inspired merch. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, We're at South Fellini everywhere. Follow along and join in the conversation. We want to hear from you. Are there any other Philadelphia vampires or monsters that we we should talk about? Is there a wolf man from West Philly? Uh, A a swamp monster from South Philly? Let us know. Vampirella, I'm single. Hit me up. DM Beerman. <laughs> Follow along and join in the conversation. We want to hear from you. Look out for new episodes of the podcast every Monday. Stay safe, wash your hands, get a vaccine, and wear a mask. Yeah. Bye. 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 <laughs>